Don't you wanna die happy with a smile on your face? Wake up a laughing, <laughs> cause you're free of all the things that would hold you from your ocean view. Life's a landscape, why don't you bathe in your lake? Hi! Hello! We wanted to pop on to apologise because we haven't put out a podcast since about 1999. Actually, when has it actually been? I'm just trying to get you in the shot. Uh, it's, uh, it was October 2023. Okay, no, so 20, yes, 2022. What year is it? 2023. Mm, it was October 2022. So, <laughs> uh, sorry! We have been really, really busy. Firstly, I put back to England for five weeks and Martin has been very, very busy finishing his book. Uh, yes, I've been writing the How to Die Happy book, which we have alluded to in various discussions. Um, but And we won't talk about it now because we're going to do a proper podcast about it, aren't we? Yes, we are. So yeah, this is just a super fast apology to say thanks for bearing with us. I've had lots of people get in touch and say, have you stopped doing the podcast? I hope not. No, we haven't. We've just been, life got in the way. So thanks for your patience. And um, here's a, an episode that we recorded way back in November with the wonderful Jake Illing of uh, Bali Training Centre. Jake, Jake, Jake. Howdy. How are you? Good buddy. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Nice to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming to our wonderful abode. It's nice to record at home because we don't always do it, do we? We record all over the place. So, um, very stoked we did it here, wouldn't it? <laughs> it's a great surrounded by. I feel like we're in the jungle. Yeah. Zen. Yeah, I was. I was. I was pushing to record it in your gym just because I thought the you yeah. know the scene would be nice. It's but much better. We did it here. The gym's very loud. Thought we'd ask you a few quick fire questions for starts. So. Burger or chicken salad? Burger all day. You were going to say that. Um, smoothie bowl or chocolate cheesecake? Ooh, they're different. One's a dessert and one I'd have for brekkie. Oh. I'll take both. Both? For breakfast? For breakfast, smoothie bowl all day. For breakfast. Uh, burpees or press-ups? Burpees all day. <laughs> I live for burpees. Burpees for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> That's the answer to the question before burpees. Is that, is that before the smoothie bowl? I pick burpees. <laughs> uh, squats or star jumps? Ooh, I'd say squats. Sit-ups or leg, leg raises? Sit-ups all day. And plank or pull-ups? Pull-ups. Yeah? Yeah. I'd go Why, Love them it, both. Because it's uh, cause it, cause it does better stuff to your body. I just feel it. It's really good for lengthening the spine. You feel nice and long. And sometimes if you're planking, you get sore shoulders. And the pull-ups are such a great exercise to engage the core. And it's a really nice lengthening exercise. Lots of times we've got sore shoulders or sore lower back. Just go and hang on the bar, bang out some pull-ups. And how you feel. I think because, I, um, because, I, because I, I'm allergic to going to the gym, I would, I would do plank all day long, wouldn't I? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I would choose plank, but I find pull-ups really hard. Yeah, me too. But and if I want to hang upside down, then I go and hang in a yoga sling. Well, I actually, uh, I just started going to the gym again uh, a week ago, but yeah. then I got involved in a fight between the, the dogs. And <laughs> Who won? <laughs> they did. The dogs won. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if you can see well. this, but uh, I got a fang gum deep yeah. in my forearm. So I've got a tendon injury at the moment. 
It's ridiculous. I can't no actually. Why? Yeah, I can't like put. I can't. I've got very restricted range of motion in this hand at the moment. When was that? A week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, that, so that's that was inspired I, you to start some martial art training. Yeah. <laughs> Defend yourself against the dogs. So I can judo chop the kids. Yeah, it's our little angels. I mean, they're oh, so cute. Well. They are cute, but when they sometimes when they get into mm. a fight together, you, you, I, I, you're not supposed to get in the way of a no, dog's fight. No, you're not. But this was in the middle of yeah, Drifter Cafe. So we didn't really have a choice. Had to break out the peace and quiet. Yeah, I mean, people were terrified, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, it happens quite a lot. But all of that to say, it's a massive, uh, it's a run up to an excuse as to why I'm not going to the gym. But, uh, but you did start going. I did start going, and uh, and I started doing pull ups, and I managed to do two, <laughs> two pull ups. <laughs> we got some work to do there. Uh, yeah, well, the to... the intention is to because I'm going to the Dream Fitness Center up the road. Yeah. The intention is to, to get to a, a, a that, decent... That's DFC? The DFC, yeah. the, the yellow place? Yeah. Yeah, you've been in there? Gym. I love it. It's a great gym, actually. So we were just there the other day. It was raining and we wanted to... Um, we were supposed to go running, so we went and jumped on the bikes in there. Yeah, and they've got treadmills in there as well, haven't they? So, and they seem to be upgrading a lot more of the equipment, 100%. probably because they feel like they've got competition going on now. Yeah, but I think it's cool. It's locally. It's local owned, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all that said... The intention is to get to a certain level where I'm not passing out doing your high intensity. To get to three pull-ups. <laughs> pull-ups. When, I, when I can do maybe five pull-ups, you'll be seeing we'll me see you. down your place. We'll see, you. <laughs> we'll see you soon. Yeah, we didn't last very long, did we? No, we didn't. But then I had the uh, had that sort of ongoing lung issue, didn't I? And yeah. I kept. I was. Uh, I'd gone vegan for uh, what a year and a bit or something like that. Not yeah, something like that. And I started to feel faint all the time. Mm. And and I started to have this I, I, some strange lung issue mm. happened upon me where I was short of breath all the time. And then mm. I was coming to to do training at your place, mm. and several times I had to get on my back mm. and put my legs up on the wall because yeah. I was so faint. I was you were getting dizzy. It's passing out. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that's to do with lack of fitness as well. Not yeah, I don't know, but I I don't see anybody else in your gym doing that. So I figured. Uh, no, we've had. Um it's happening more now that we have the tourists coming back. There is, you know, I'm very, now before every class begins, I make a speech to let everyone know like, hey guys, we're all here on our own accord. We're all here to better ourselves. Don't try and compete with some people. You've seen some of the people in our gym. We have some athletes in there. Mm. We have some people who are 60. We have some people who are 18 mm-hmm. and everyone's on their own journey. But yeah. when they train in the group, sometimes people can try to especially the men, the ego can kick in. They're like, I'm not going to let this guy beat me. I'm going to keep up with him. That guy's an athlete. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. It's not going to end well for you. Totally. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, so now I'm very, very – it, it was okay during the, the COVID times because everyone who was there was training there all the time and there wasn't so many new faces. But, I mean, like yesterday we had 72 people in one class. So you can have like 30 new faces turn up. And some people, they fly in from Europe, it's cold, you don't sweat much. Then you fly to one of the most humid places in the world where you sweat a lot. Mm-hmm. And our classes are pretty hard. Intense. Pretty hard, <laughs> pretty hard possibly one of the hardest classes in Bali. Uh, and yeah, so now I'm very clear to make sure that people just, you know, just you're there on your own accord. And if you're not an absolute beast in the gym, just, just go at your own pace. And mm. I only make sure I pick on the people who I know now and know really because you can't yeah we've had we've had some people recently not feel too well after class and yeah. that's because they're trying to keep up and the energy's so high you know when you have 70 people in the room and everyone's the music pumping everyone's cheering and screaming and you f- people start to feel a bit dizzy and they're like oh I just feel a bit dizzy but I'm just going to keep going because yeah. the guy next to me is still going and yeah. then yeah. all of a sudden 
the body eventually. Like Boom. the dizziness is the, the body sign saying like, stop. Please, yeah. you know, please stop treating me I'm like I'm not used to this just yet. Let's stop. And then people don't stop and the body will just, you just get forced to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I think also there are, there's a, a, a ludicrous number of people who, not just in your gym, mm. but in this part of mm. the world, mm. who are just blooming fit, aren't they? I mean, it's like Baywatch. Mm. You know, there, there's, there, there are some. Mm. There, everyone's got an incredible body, haven't they? Almost everybody. Yeah, but it's that lifestyle, isn't it? It's like we're yeah. living outdoors. We're at the beach. There's so lots many surfers. surfers yeah. Lots yeah. of yogis. Yeah. Like it's yeah. kind of a. It's a healthy mindset here. Mm, very much so. So, yeah. um, so I, I get that because obviously, if you and these people are training every day in some yeah. shape or form, they might not be in your gym, but they're obviously mm. surfing probably twice a day as well. Yeah, and they are super fit, aren't they? Do you surf? I don't know if I ever asked you that, actually. I do surf, yeah. I, I, I surfed a lot during COVID because I didn't have to work so much. <laughs> I had a lot of free time. Um, the gym was very quiet, you know. Pre-COVID, we were, the gym was pumping and the business was developing a lot really, really, really fast. And then COVID hit in and everything just stopped. So I surfed a lot during COVID. Now, with business growing the way it is and working on my other projects and becoming a new father, mm-hmm. I don't have much time for surfing. So I've put surfing away for the time being um, yeah. I'll get back to it later so if, it'll always be there mm, and congratulations official yeah. congratulations for your uh, your new baby although that was a while ago yeah. now, wasn't it yeah she's six six and a half months now oh. almost seven months that was fast wasn't yeah, it yeah very almost fast seven months time yeah. flies so mm. so I, I suppose we should probably explain a little bit about uh, about your gym and uh, what you do there and, yeah. and how we met or at least yeah. You could do that, actually, rather than me explain it, because it's you, it's your story. So, yeah, so sure. if you could just give give us a bit of an idea about um, about Bali Training Centre, mm-hmm. uh, how it came about. Mm-hmm. It came about pretty crazily. So I never, when I was younger, I hated exercise. When I would have been teenage boy, high school, you couldn't get me to run, you couldn't get me to do exercise, you couldn't get, I, I hated it. As a teenager, I probably wasn't the best teenager. Um, yeah, I was smoking bongs, getting into street fights, thinking I was super cool. And yeah, I thought I was a good fighter. I had some broken hands, been beaten up and and that type of thing. So yeah, I was a pretty bad teenager. And then a couple of friends of mine, they were training at a, our local Muay Thai gym, which is actually a huge, very, very big Muay Thai gym owned by a world champion trainer. And I was like, yeah, cool, I'm I'm a good fighter. I'm going to rock up there and, and have a go at this fighting stuff, thinking I was good. And I remember just the first time I went in there and my whole world just changed. I was like, I know nothing. I'm a complete coup. I got the absolute shit beat out of me, completely <laughs> humbled. And that just started my whole journey. And um, from that, I became obsessed with kickboxing. So it would have been about 18 when that happened. I think I had my first fight maybe six months or 12 months later. And so that was how I fell in love with fitness. Um, So from that, I was obsessed with kickboxing. I was totally obsessed. It was everything I ever wanted to do. My whole life, I was like, okay, I want to become, I want to make a living from fighting. Um, But it's not easy to make a living from fighting. It's extremely hard, especially in Muay Thai, the, the martial art that I was training. It's very, very, very hard. So after about three to four years, I decided to quit my job and take it more serious and I booked a one-way ticket to Thailand which was pretty risky everyone thought I was crazy 
And I got over there and after about nine months, I got pretty injured in a fight and that was the end. I couldn't fight anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was very confused, lost, didn't know what to do, completely quit exercise because I never knew I liked exercise. I thought I liked, I thought I loved fighting. I loved Muay Thai. But obviously to fight, you train twice a day. When I was living in Thailand, I was training four hours a day. I'd run 10Ks a day. We were training all day. And so I got hurt. What am I going to do with my life now? And I went back to Australia, went back to working in construction, started smoking, started drinking. I'd wake up and I'd come to Bali for holidays, wake up, have cigarettes, have my sun pawners in the morning. And after about a year... I wasn't, I wasn't well. I felt very, I was very, I was very depressed, had lots of anxiety, started getting into fights again. Um, I heard a couple of people kind of, yeah, I heard, I heard a couple of people, which wasn't, wasn't so good. And then I was here in Bali and I actually got into a bit of a fight here and I was just full of anger and I didn't know what was going on. I was just like crawling in my own skin. And, um, one of my good friends at the time, he said to me, I remember he said to me, he's like, man, I'm really sorry, but I don't want to be your friend anymore. And I was like, what? Like, why not? And he's like, you're not the same person anymore. He's like, you're full of anger. You even threaten to like want to hit me sometimes. He's like, someone looks at you, you like want to have a, have a go at him. And I said to him, I was like, thank you for telling me this because I feel like something's wrong. I don't know what's going on with me. I can't describe. I don't know what's happening. And I said, I'm going to fly back to Thailand tomorrow. And I was in Bali just having a holiday. And at this time when I was in Bali, I was waking up, smoking cigarettes in the morning, drinking every single night. And I just had so much energy and I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do with it. And I didn't know that I liked exercise. I just completely had quit for a year. So I went from training for many, many, many years, hours every day to complete stop, just stop. And then I flew back to Thailand. I was like, all right, I'm going to go back to Thailand with no intention of fighting and just go back to my old gym where I was back with the Thai people where I was and I'm just going to train and, and see what happens and get away from this Bali lifestyle that you guys know there's lots of parties and mm. back then if there was a party I'd find it and so I flew back to Thailand as soon as I got there I started training I was just like ah oh, this is what I've been looking for what's like this is it this is the answer and I was a new person instantly I got there and I just started training again and I was like, hang on a minute, maybe I'm addicted to exercise. Maybe I'm obsessed with exercise. Maybe like, I do love fighting, but maybe if I just train all the time, I'll be really happy and I'll feel really, really good. And that started my whole fitness journey because I didn't classify the fighting as like a fitness journey. It was a fighting journey for me. It was like, I wanted to be the best fighter. Mm. I wasn't obsessed with fitness. I wasn't doing burpees and all these things like I do now. I wasn't doing pull-ups and that sort of stuff. I was fighting. It was, a, it was a pure fighting journey. but They came hand in hand. But with fighting, you have to have very, very intense high levels of cardiovascular endurance. So my cardio was always really, really, really good. And from fighting, that was where my transition come to being, you know, even to these days, like I have very high levels of cardiovascular endurance. And, and from that, I went back to Thailand, um, went back to Australia, and just that was where the journey started. I started running every single day, doing pull-ups every single day, burpees every single day. And 
yeah, as soon as that started, I was obsessed with running because I always loved running when I was training for my, for my Muay Thai fights. We'd run 7K, 10K a day. And I live in my, my gym back on the Gold Coast is in Burley Headland. So we'd run the headland for our Muay Thai when I was training Muay Thai. And so I put that back into my practice and started running again. And it was just an instant fix for me. It just mm. fixed everything. So that was how my love for fitness came about. But from that, I didn't, it wasn't, wasn't instant to like, okay, maybe I'm going to become a trainer. Um, and so from that, I was obviously always coming to Bali quite a bit. And I'd come here and do my own training. I was down in Changu a little bit and I was training down there, doing kickboxing down there. And I'd come to Bingen and back in like 2015, 16, Bingen wasn't much. You know, there wasn't, there wasn't much there in Bingen. And I'd still be running in the morning and doing my own thing. And so my cousin Ricky, she owns the cashew tree, her and her husband, Made. So I'd come here and stay with them. And it started out uh, just, they had a small little tiled yoga area there back in 2015 or 16 it would have been. So a long time ago. There wasn't much there. There was a couple of people doing yoga. And I'd just use it to train a few people. Um, we'd train a bit of Muay Thai, some friends. I'd train my cousin. And then it got to the point where two people asked me like hey can you teach us some 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 kickboxing and I was like yeah yeah sure I'll teach you guys and then before we know it I had like eight people coming to learn Muay Thai and that was how the gym started it didn't it was never a planned thing and so from that I didn't have any money though so I was broke I didn't have any money so I was like okay like I love this this is my passion I hated my job in Australia. I always hated my jobs. I always worked in construction to pay the bills in construction. I always felt lost working, doing that job. And, um, and yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to go back to Australia. I think I worked for about one year, saved up all the money I could. And then, yeah, it came to Bali and my cousin and I and Made, we decided to give the gym. We, we opened the gym. And when I first opened the gym, we just started as a pure Muay Thai gym, as a kickboxing gym. And back then, Bingen was not what it is now. Why? <laughs> it was really quiet. The first year when I, we only did two classes a week too, because there wasn't anyone around. Yeah. You couldn't get people in every single day. So we just did two Muay Thai classes a week. And I remember in the first year, my goal was to get 10 people to a yeah. class. To get <laughs> Lofty my goal, aspirations. My goal for this year is to get, is to get 10 people to a class. Yeah. And, and I got that goal. And then from that, my, my, my training changed so much over the years too. Like I love teaching Muay Thai, but it wasn't my, how I was training myself. So my own journey has been like, you know, I train kettlebells every day. I run, I do all the things that you guys don't know to do. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to bring in a, a fitness class for the Muay Thai people and that's so they can keep, I'll bring in this fitness class. Then all of a sudden, and I, I brought that in within like six months, the, the fitness class. It wasn't easy because I was bringing in a fitness class for, for Muay Thai people. And Muay Thai, people who train Muay Thai have pretty good cardio. Mm. So that kind of started one of the reasons why our classes are so hard because it was based for athletes and and everything just grew from there. My, my, my kettlebell classes, you know, I did kettlebells back in Australia when I was 18. That was our strength training for our fights and that type of thing. When I was living in Australia, when I, when I was young, to, to fight for the gym that I was training for. We had to do kettlebell training once a week. So just bringing in all these new types of training over the years, um, it's really developed. But then from the first year, it was like, all right, I want to get 10 people. We got that. And the second year, there was 50 people there. 
So it just wow. it grew. And then COVID hit. <laughs> and then you were back to two. Everything just paused for two years and yeah. there was no business planning, no business development. It's like everything just stopped. And then now we're here, like, where is that now? Where we're hitting the numbers of 75. 70, wow. Today, today was a new record within two classes. I had, we had doubles this morning. It was 80 people in two hours. So now you're doubling up your classes every day, doing do two classes a day. And you're doing classes every day as well now then? Yes, classes seven days yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. we came to, I think we came about four or five times, didn't we? Was it, was it even four or five times? I think that might be a little optimistic. Um, <laughs> we really enjoyed it. I enjoyed I loved it, it yeah. yeah. I think you enjoyed it more than I did because you're fitter than I am because yeah. she's a <laughs> yoga teacher, so she's she's, yeah. she's doing she's moving every day. Yeah. I'm a, a writer who's admittedly yeah. quite sedentary at the moment. So Yeah. Um, but we we did. Nevertheless, we enjoyed it. Uh, but I, I I was really pleased to see that you you managed to stick it out through through those times because it was tough for a lot of businesses, wasn't it? Like it was super really tough. tough. It was super tough. It was such a nice community, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was a great time. And everyone centered. Its... I think I, it felt to me like the community was sort of you know kind of coming closer together around the likes of you and other businesses. Yeah. Say, yeah. Don't worry, we're hundred percent. And I feel like everyone that time, you know, we had we had a really big. Um, pulse of new clients moved from Ubud who joined the gym. Mm. We had a lot of people who'd, a lot of yogis who'd never done our type of training before come and just become so obsessed. They're there like six days a week and they were like, I'm loving this. It's my time to concentrate on my, you know, they'd never done our type of training before. They'd done so much of the complete, complete polar opposite. It was a really, really nice time. But it was it was difficult, you know, to just go from a pumping, booming business to all of a sudden to a business that's not booming and not knowing when it's going to come back. Yeah. But for me, it's um, it's very easy because I love what I do. So it was never like, oh, I've got to go to work and teach 10 people or I've got to go to work because, you know, it's it's very easy to wake up and go to work every day when you love what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's simple. I don't see what I do as that. work. It's not. I love what I do and that's one of the reasons why I feel it's become so successful because, you know, even if I was a multimillionaire, I'd still be doing the same thing every day. Mm. Uh, but I think uh, you you probably know more than I do, but certainly because I'm one of those people who's all or nothing. So mm. when I'm, when I get into yeah. training, when, then uh, the first few times, yeah, it's hell on earth. Yeah, yeah. It's, I really don't want to be there. Sure. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a bit grumpy about mm-hmm. everything. But then the, there's a breaking point, isn't there? And I'm sure we all have we all have a different point, don't we? And then suddenly, you love it again. Hundred percent. And then you're back into it. However, the older you get, I'm realizing mm-hmm. I'm 47 in a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. The older you get, the the longer that the further away that breaking point is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. So. So that's my challenge now, and actually, one of the, this one of the, actually one of the reasons why I wanted to to have you on the podcast was, you know, we we talk about all sorts of things on how to die happy. That's mm-hmm. it's kind of the beautiful thing about the 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 idea behind it is that we can talk about the arts of living and dying well, yeah, forever, hundred percent, because there are so many, so many different ways. Totally right. So <laughs> and we can talk, and we yeah, essentially right. we're talking about being human. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, one day we're talking to yogis. Next day, mm-hmm. we're talking to addiction psychologists, or best-selling authors, or qigong masters. You name it. But I, I was marginally aware that we've not really got stuck into physiology, mm-hmm. um, and with experts. Now, we, of mm-hmm. course, we talk to yogis, so mm-hmm. so we are talking about the the yogic um, mm-hmm. um, uh, preservation, if you like, of, of yeah. the body, but. 
uh, I wanted to 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 do a few uh, episodes around mm. the theme of Zen mm. and the art of Earth Rover maintenance because mm-hmm. I call this the Earth Rover. Yeah, and you are our first Earth Rover maintenance expert. In that okay. And and I understand this is your first podcast as well. It is correct. So, Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah. So where do we where do we start then when we when we're talking about Earth Rover maintenance, Jules? Well, even I think what you you talked about the minute a minute ago, mm. your story. You know, something was wrong, mm. and you just felt so uncomfortable in your being. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you got back to exercise, mm. you're like, oh yeah, of course. Mm. And I don't know. Somewhere along the line, we just forget how important it is mm. to move our body every day. 100%. And it doesn't have to be. A massive mm. workout, you know, even dancing or mm. shaking the body, just being in the body mm. and moving it 100%. shifts everything. So all this, there's su- such a pandem- pandemic of like dis- depression and mental health 100%. issues. The real pandemic. Real. But if yeah. we, how often do they get asked, well, when did you last go to a dance class? Yeah. Or when did you last go and work out? And mm. especially I think the classes, mm. because coming, even coming to your classes, they were so hard, mm. but the community side of it, you yeah. all kind of, move together and breathe yeah. together and I remember finding myself like laughing and smiling and like dancing yeah. through it even <laughs> yeah. though it was really hard yeah. we were all like kind of dancing around yeah. and it I just did, I didn't laugh or smile or dance babe sorry <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day but I would say that the exercise and, and the maintenance of the body is one of the most important parts of being happy well, absolutely. Hence, hence mm-hmm. we're having this conversation because we uh, there are so many components yeah. that we overlook when we yeah. think about what it is to be happy. So, mm. And we obviously, quite clearly, we're not talking about the superficiality of happiness. It's not about stuff. It's not mm. about form. Um, but, of course, there is that whole story behind what happens to our the chemicals in our body and our mm. brain when we move. Mm-hmm. And, and yet, actually, you just told a beautiful story mm. in that regard that, uh, that you had this... Uh, you, you will have heard this, but energy in motion... Mm. is emotion Mm -hmm. and if we are not moving around Mm. we get blocked energy in our bodies the somatic embodiment isn't it so and as a result of that we can feel pretty bad by just by not moving jules is constantly getting me because obviously i'm sitting at that desk smashing out an eighty thousand word book at the moment um and she's constantly coming in and she'll just take a look at me Mm. say stand up Star jumps, you know. Do some moving. Yeah, she makes me do some burpees. Yeah, not burpees though. Pull ups. No. Please don't make me do burpees. <laughs> That'll be the next one. I'll get those in next week. Put him a little pull up bar in there. Yeah. Yeah. You've got some weights in there and some. I have. What do you call them? You well, like? well, yeah, I've got some resistance bands, and I, 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 that was a that was something I wanted to talk to you about. There's there's a constant debate, isn't there, about fat burning in mm-hmm. your business? Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, and obviously, science continues to evolve. Our understanding continues to evolve. So uh, on the one hand, you've got people saying um, uh, run. You've got others mm. saying high intensity. You've got others mm. saying CrossFit, um, strength training, resistance training. So what's your, what's your take on, on fat burning? On burning fat. The number one, it's scientifically proven that the number one best exercise for burning fat is running is running if you sprint sprinting uh-huh. sprint for 100 meters not, uh, if i could be incorrect but yeah i'm very certain that it is if you sprint for 100 meters no other exercise can get your heart rate as high as it can as if you sprint as fast as you can mm-hmm. for 100 meters so running is the number one exercise for for burning fat 
Um, but yeah, I've got, I love to run. Running's my drug. For me, running's my drug. I love to run. I run, I run a lot. I'm naturally, if you see my legs, I have quite skinny legs, little gazelle legs. <laughs> and um, I remember when I started Muay Thai, running for me just became very natural. Yeah. It was funny because through high school I hated running. I was like, why would I run? I got nothing to run from. Like, I'm not running. I want to go smoke some weed. <laughs> like, I don't want to run. Running Whereas to meet my dealer. Even even now, like for me, running is very meditative. It's my it's like a deep meditation practice mm-hmm. for me. Um, I had a, I had an amazing run the other day. Like you know, it's been raining a lot lately, and the trees are all very green again. And I'll wake up and lots of mornings I'll run before before I teach class. And one of the things I love so much about running is no one can interrupt you. No one can talk to you. There is no music. I never run with headphones. A lot of people love to run with headphones, but it's that one time where there's just pure peace and quiet. It's sweat dripping on the face, my feet in the pavement, the open road ahead. And for me, it's, yeah, I just, I get into this state when I run. It's, I love it. And transcendental yeah it's everyone's got their own things you know like some people can't go for a few days without surfing they have to be in the ocean i love surfing but i don't go crazy if i don't surf if i don't do exercise for even just a couple of days i'm on edge i'm more i'm more angry i snap i don't sleep as well i just i'm not Mm. the same person i'm not, not as nice to be around i'm a much nicer person when i'm doing exercise that's why i try to move my body every single day even if it's for example, if I'm quite busy with work or lots of projects or whatever's going on, um, I like to sauna or ice bath and anything that gets my heart beating, I'm just way more content. And it's been like that for many, many, many years now. And I feel so blessed to be, to have figured out these tools that help me. You know, like we all go through these difficult times in life and it's one of the things I try to teach people is like your body is always there for you. If you're going through a tough time, go move your body. It's still there. You can go for a run. You can go surf. You can do these things that are going to make you feel good. And no one ever feels shitter after a workout than they did when they begin. You're always going to feel happier. Yeah. So um, that's that's yeah, an absolute fact. Yeah. Take so take your Earth Rover out for a spin. Do you have a, a meditation practice as well, or is as you said, I love what you said about running mm. being a meditation. Mm. I do. I haven't been meditating as much recently, but uh, I, I, I had never meditated in my whole life. I didn't have a clue what it was. I wish I learned more about meditation when I was younger, when I was fighting. I feel it would have been a huge benefit to fighting um, mm. because fighting is very, very, very mental and scary and comes along with very severe anxiety. Before you fight, the anxiety is crazy. It's some of the most strongest anxiety you can ever feel. So I do wish I started meditating uh, when I was younger. But I started to meditate possibly about four years ago from Joe Dispenza. Oh, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine. Um, A friend of mine, one of my best friends, Scotty, he was here in Bali. No, we were in Australia. And he was at my house. He's like, I'm just going to go meditate. I was like, what are you doing? And he just went out and sat in the garden and looked at the trees and he was just sitting there with his headphones breathing. I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I did it. And I'm like, you look silly. And then he got me onto it. And yeah, it's helped me so much. And I've, it's put me on a complete different journey. And it's helped me in so many ways. And I can relate it into so many ways, into my own training. And from that, you know, I've learned so much about the breath. And from learning all about the breath has advanced my levels of training and just constantly reaching new levels and, and realizing that 
from meditating, from when I, when I learned to meditate and be able to come to those places where mind is so still and so present and so in the now, I was like, whoa, my training's meditation, you know, and it's what I say to so many people. It's like when your training and your heart rate is so high, you are nowhere else but right now mm-hmm. in present. You're not thinking about later on what you're doing. You're not thinking about the dramas you're having in life. You are so present. Mm-hmm. And that is one of my, that's one of my biggest loves about, mm. about exercise, even training in the gym and in, in our hit classes, you feel the energy is like, when we have 70 people in there. You have 70 people that are present. They're not on their phone. They're not thinking about their girlfriend who pissed them off that morning or their boyfriend. They're not thinking about their money dramas. They are completely present and they come there to escape that. Mm. You know? And it's, it's a, it's a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful practice. And, yeah, if I didn't learn about meditation, how to get you wouldn't, you don't realize that yeah. until until you start meditating, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things is, you know, I see a lot of people, and they can ask people like, "Oh, do you meditate?" And someone might say, "No, no, no, I don't." It's like, well, you do, you know, you're doing this sport or this activity that you're addicted to that makes you happy, that brings you completely into the now, into the mm-hmm. present. Surfing's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Surfing is one yeah. of the most meditative things. Ever, I don't think there's any more present you can ever be than from riding a wave. Mm-hmm. When you're actually sitting on that wave, you are so present. Yep. And I feel that's why so many surfers are addicted to, to surfing. You are so in the now. Mm. And in the nature as well, I think. The yeah. Surfing. yeah, 100%. But that's where one of the, there's such a common misconception that yeah. meditation is sitting cross-legged, <laughs> yeah. hands on your knees, Chanting. you know. Oh. It, that's not, I mean, that is a way to meditate. But yeah. it's many less, ways to meditate. Yeah, there's so many ways. For sure. And it's whatever works for you. 100%. And I always think that when I look at surfers, it's one of the reasons I really need to do it. I really want to get into surfing. I look yeah. at everyone sat out on their boards, mm. out in the ocean. I just mm. think, wow, that must be the best place to just yeah. be fully present. Yeah, your breath and hundred percent. I I I love that you've opened this conversation up like this actually because it's I, I've been writing about meditation lately. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, and often, and, and people have been asking me about meditation for a few mm. years, but especially more more folks back home in in my past life, if you like, mm. uh, who were sort of interrogating what what it what is my new life what mm. is my new way of life they're kind of interested or they might be mocking it i don't know but mm. it, either way a lot of people uh, question me about meditation and i remember when i first started to when the first time i remember the first time i tried to meditate mm. try to meditate that's funny isn't it when you think about it actually <laughs> think about the idea of forcing, forcing yourself, yourself to become still and present <laughs> i must be present <laughs> it was in the bath I remember, i'll never forget it i was sitting in the bath i was like I might try this meditation business. And I got really angry with myself Mm. because I couldn't uh, clear my mind. Mm. Hilarious. And obviously, peace and love to me for for going through that. Because I think a lot of people do that. But um, so many people say, oh, I don't meditate because I can't. Mm. I can't can't still the mind. It's a practice. It's Mm. the same as people saying, you might get this with the Mm. stuff in the gym. I don't come to yoga because I'm not flexible. Or I don't meditate because I can't meditate. And it's yeah. like, okay, well, I get where you're yeah. coming from, but it's a practice. You I don't do pull-ups because I can only do two. You know, you didn't yeah. you didn't uh, learn a language in a day. Yeah. You've got to work at it. For me, meditating is, is, I have a very, very, very busy mind. I've always had a very busy mind. That's why exercise has helped me so much. If I don't exercise, I have too much energy. Um, I have ADHD, so exercise just... For me to get into a deep state of meditation, I have to exercise before. If I 
the other day I went for it's very difficult for me to meditate in the morning I have so much energy as soon as I wake up bang I'm all go I can't be it's very hard for me to sit I can't hum in the morning I've got to go do something I've got to go do something so I've found my best way to get into a deep state of meditation is exercise first and meditate after the exercise and I just feel so much more relaxed in my body and I even just the other day just going for a nice run I went for a run first and then I come back and I start breath work after my run and all of a sudden I'm just completely still and present Mm. but if I don't do that before it is a little bit difficult for me I'm sitting there I'm like why am I sitting here so still I should be out doing something Mm. whereas if I feel very content in my body in a physical way it's very easy for me to relax the mind if I feel tired in my body like when you train so much, it is addictive. The body gets addictive and you do get addicted to being sore too. You get addicted to that feeling. I, I love the feeling of being tired. I love the feeling of training all day, jumping in the sauna, going in the ice bath and then knowing that, oh, I can just sit and relax now mm. and just be so content in my body knowing that I can't do any more for the rest of the day. And then from that, the mind for me just goes completely still. Mm. and presumably you sleep yeah. well as a result sleep way better if I don't train my sleep's terrible yeah. it's it's all over the place I don't even want to sleep mm-hmm. I just feel like I can't but, relax yeah. properly and that, the, the process you just talked of it's, I mean it's actually the same mm. you know like the asana and yoga which is the physical style yeah. you, it's designed to do that before you meditate yeah. you know? so you would always do your asana your breath uh-huh. work and then meditate mm. and I think yeah a lot of people feel that they mm. need to just sit and meditate before they've done anything mm. else and even in the, the physical like we're not we're not we don't grow up sitting like this you know oh. we've all been brought up in chairs and then we suddenly think right i'm going to sit in lotus position yeah and just expect my hips to sit like yeah. this for half an hour yeah yeah it's so true i even know from um during during covid and um i, I started diving into yoga and from that yoga practice you know yoga classes are in the morning and they do the shavasana at the end i'd be like whoa i completely just switched off mm that would not happen if you didn't do that yoga practice. Mm. There's no way I could just walk into somewhere and somebody's all right, lay down and be still for 10 minutes. I'm like, mm. oh, no, I can't do that. No. Yeah. Well, think about like we we put kids in school. Yeah. We're like sit in a chair and don't move. Yeah. And you're going to sit there all day. Don't and if you noise. start moving, oh. then I'm going to tell you off for moving. And it's actually, well, if they start moving, they need to stand up and run around and then sit down again. For sure. We forget that. For sure. And it's one of the biggest things I try and teach people is that exercise alone has the ability it saved me if i if i didn't find exercise or muay thai i think i'd be in a very bad place i I know i'd be in a very bad place before i found muay thai i wasn't doing very well i was doing some pretty bad things and and that saved me and then realizing later that i have this addiction to exercise and it helps me be a better person it saved me as well Mm. it wasn't for exercise i wouldn't be living in here in, in bali and just from from all that, it's given me so much. It's given me the business from that. Now I'm opening more business that's going to be linked to that business, and it's just, yeah, it's put me into this place now where I'm so where I'm so grateful. And I try to teach people that a lot about. I've crazy time when one lady I had I had a private client about three years ago. She came over to Bali to to train with me, and she was going through very very severe depression chronic depression she'd she'd just lost a child about about nine months ago and she'd gained heaps of weight and she was really really in a a bad place and so she came to me and trained and I I said to her she came and she had no idea what we're going to train she turned up and um 
she she was she was quite wealthy, so she wanted to do privates every single day. She said, "I don't care what the price is. I want to do privates every single day. This is what I'm going through. I hate exercise." She's like, "I hate it." She's like, "I can't enjoy it. This is why I've gained all this weight." And so I said to her, "I was like, I'm going to teach you Muay Thai." And she's like, "We're going to do Muay Thai." She's like, "Why are we going to do Muay Thai?" I said, like, "Let's just try it, and we'll see, and we'll see how you go." Because for people who hate exercise, if they're learning a skill, they don't see it as exercise. We started the session. At the end of the session, she started crying. And I was like, what's wrong? She's like, she was, she, she was bawling her eyes. That's the first time I've ever loved exercise. She's like, that was so fun. And that was the start of her journey. She come and trained seven days a week with me in Muay Thai. It was the most crazy. I'll send you guys a photo of this woman's trans, transformation. It was the most crazy transformations. But also just her mental transformation was, was crazy. And she left a completely different person, you know. She even, she walked in never knowing how to, what boxing was. And by the end, she's jabbing, elbowing. And when we first started the session, she couldn't do one sit-up on her first day. Couldn't do one sit-up. On her last session, she was banging out 50 sit-ups. Wow. In the space of about two months. Whoa. Yeah. And um, it, sa- it, sa- it saved her, you know. Just the exercise saved her. And as soon as people get that, it's like all of a sudden an aha moment where she's like, ah, exercise, it saved me. It's, that tool's always there. Yeah. You know, even later, you might relapse or you might quit the exercise for a little while. And, you know, I think they say like the average human goes through 10 depressive times in our life. And, you know, I know I've had my share of <laughs> tough times. But for me, whenever I go through difficult times, uh, I have my tools and these tools are always there and I know straight away I become selfish. If I'm going through a tough time, I become selfish and I, my goal is straight away again, I'm going to get myself to the fittest and strongest I can right now. And if I do that, I'm going to feel happy. I'm going to feel happy. Mm. And, and, I, and, I, and I try and teach that to people, you know, and not, and not try to, there's this really silly thing with fitness and training where a lot of people do it to look a certain way. You know, that's the very wrong way to go about it. Because if your body doesn't develop into that way you want it to look, you're going to hate the exercise. I just did all this stuff and I don't look this certain way as I was told I was going to look. I didn't lose these kilos that I thought I would lose. For me, exercise has never, ever, ever been about physical physical looks mm-hmm. or physical gains. It's been because I love it. I love it and it's takes me. it makes me happy and it takes me to that place mentally where nothing else makes me happier you know and that's one of the biggest things to try and I try and teach people is like don't worry about how you look because I have a certain belief it's never been scientifically proven but I I do have a certain belief that when people just focus on developing the fitness side and the strength side and just to become an absolute beast the best they can completely forget about how they look the body just transforms mm. automatically the body is transformed but if you go into a gym say like i'm gonna do this to look a certain way i'm gonna eat this food to look a certain way doesn't seem doesn't happen mm. yeah, there's no Pretty sign but just that's just solution. from that's just from my time with working with people the best transformations i've seen in people who are just there focusing completely on the training not so much on the diet enjoying life becoming happy 
they have the best transformations I've seen. So they're not there for the outcome. They're there for the moment. 100%. They're there. They're there for the love of it. Yeah. And they're there to for feel the journey, good. Mm-hmm. Not they're the there for the journey. Yeah. And it's, um, mm. I have a very different way of looking at diets and, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I've never dieted my whole life and, um, I can't diet because I train so much. Yeah. So if I diet, I'll lose too much weight. I get too skinny. And it's always been like that. So what's your, because anybody's listening and not watching and Jake's wearing clothes, but obviously when he's in the gym, he's got no top off. Top off. <laughs> he's got a hell of a body. I mean, you know, sparing your blushes, oh, you've got thanks. a body like an Adonis, bro. So, so how, how is that? There's no diet at all to that. You just eat whatever no. you feel like eating, drink whatever you feel like drinking, but because you're exercising so much, it, it counters that or? So when I first started exercise, it was for Muay Thai. So, when I was living in Australia fighting Muay Thai, I would still work a normal job. And so I'd work construction 10 hour days, finish my construction job, which was very physical, go to Muay Thai. I was doing these huge days, burning numerous amounts of calories. So you have to eat a lot just to survive. Otherwise, your body's going to crash. You're going to burn out. Your food is your fuel. So then moving to Thailand, we would train four hours a day, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon. It's extremely intense. You have to eat a lot just to maintain the weight. Your, my, my goal was just to maintain the weight. I naturally have a fast metabolism, but my training would start at 8 a.m. I'd have to set my alarm at 6 a.m. to make sure I eat something before I train. Otherwise, I'd, just get, I'd lose too much weight. I'd get too skinny because we're burning so many calories. You're training for four hours a day. You need to fuel the body. Mm. And for me, I have a different outlook on it. Some people don't agree. They'll debate with it, but I'll always say what's worked for me. And I do believe it's a, it works for lots of people. And I've given people this advice is, yeah, I eat whatever I want. And I do go through stages where I do gain a couple of kilos. And I have a way about looking at food is that if I want a big juicy burger and a cake afterwards, I eat it and I get excited because I know I have excess store of calories i can train really hard <laughs> yeah, i have no good. excuse i do i love that so mindset. I, I can i'll eat a burger and that and i'm like sick tomorrow i can go so hard in training so hard because i have these calories and i'm going to burn them off tomorrow yeah and i use that to fool tomorrow's training and i'll train like an absolute beast or i'll wake up and go run 10k mm. and it's always it's always been like that and i see the same with i do believe that it's become so blasé how people have so many different outlooks on food like we're humans um if we are if your body's saying to you yum i want to eat that there's probably a reason why you should you know if you can once you find that mind body connection and i learn a lot through i went vegetarian about during 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 covid i went vegetarian for a year and I was one of those ones, like, you know, I told everyone, this is the way you must not eat meat. And I thought I was right. You know, I was one of the vegetarians and telling everyone, like, you can't eat steak, you can't eat chicken. Activist. You guys don't understand. And, and yeah, for me, the biggest thing was when I went vegetarian, it was in the beginning, there was no change. But after six months, nine months, the two biggest changes was I lost a lot of weight. I couldn't gain any weight because I was still training the same. I was still ripped, but I was very skinny. Now I'm about like 75 kilos. I was walking around at like 69 kilos, Mm. eating so much food. I'd wake up and eat a bowl of muesli full of peanut butter and 
eat all the calories I could, eat all the pizza I could, eat all the pasta and I'd still lose weight. I was, I was still getting skinny. And then after about nine months, I started to feel not so confident in my own beliefs. I, I wasn't backing myself as much. I felt I was just, my clarity crashed, you know, I'm usually a pretty confident person. I back my own beliefs and I'm very confident in where I'm going. And I started to question myself and just not feeling so much like I felt my testosterone dropped. I didn't feel like so much of a beast in the gym anymore. And then once I reintroduced meat again, um, my weight went up straight away and I did notice a, a pretty, a pretty dramatic yeah, increase straight away. I was like, whoa. And I was like, okay, I was wrong. You know, I said to a lot of, a lot of my friends and that sort of thing. And a lot of my friends too, we were, we were vegetarians at the same time and we all experienced the same things. I spoke to my mates who they're all very physical as well. And they were experiencing the same things as me. And, but yeah, going, going back to the question, like, no, I don't follow any diet now at all. Incredible. I, I do have my own things I eat. I have these little things, my, you know, every morning I wake up, it's very the same. I'll have drink water when I wake up. I'll have a long black coffee with no milk before training and bananas. Bananas is my, is my go-to before training. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to do a very big workout, I'll have a banana about an hour before training with some sugars and that's what gets me through. And then a massive meal at about 12.30, very, very big meal. And then I'll have a very big dinner. So I'm kind of like a two-meal guy a day. I think so many people are really undernourishing themselves and mm. then training really hard. Completely. And I think it's you start seeing it in people. Mm. Like we're just this so much food is lacking nutrients. There's no mm. like, nutrient-dense food being consumed. Mm. And we don't really know what it's going to do long-term. Mm. I believe that with food, it is meant to be enjoyed. Yeah. Food's meant to be enjoyed. Like, it tastes good. So You'll agree with that, won't you? I love food. <laughs> yeah, don't we all? I love food, man. I'm, I'm talking about my next meal when I'm eating the meal I'm eating. I, I'm like, buddy, you know, I'm, I I'm with it. you. I'm, I'm always saying, food. we're eating and I'm saying yeah, what food. we're going to eat for and dinner. I'm always yeah. like, I can't even think about it. Yeah. I love food. And I love exercise. So like we're addicted to food. We have to eat. I love yeah. exercise. The two and two go together. But one thing that I find is the people who have an addiction to food, if they don't have that addiction to exercise, the food causes them, they always have these negative thoughts with food, these negative thoughts where they'll be looking at a cake going, you know, I remember having some clients over the years and I'm training them pretty hard. Like they're training hard. They're burning lots of calories and they're like, oh, I really wanted to have that cake for dinner last night, but I just couldn't. I was like, you should have had it. Like you should have had it. They're thinking about it so much. And then even if they do go have it, they don't feel good about themselves afterwards. Yeah, so it's like, feel shame. you don't feel good if you do, if you don't. If you don't have it, you're like, oh, I really should have had it. I wanted to enjoy that cake. And then if you do have the cake, you don't feel good either. And you have this negative thought pattern always with yeah. food. You're never like, oh, my God, that was so good. I'm so happy with that meal. And I can't explain the scientific by what's going on in our bodies mm. when that's happening. But I do believe and from people that I've spent, that I've met throughout my fitness career, I've been around some very, very fit individuals. They all love food. They all eat a lot. They love to eat and they're all ripped. And yeah, that's just my certain belief. I know a lot of people would debate and there's a saying that um, there's this one saying a friend of mine said to me recently is that 
you can't out-train a bad diet, but we're here to prove them wrong because there's always the debate about what's more important, the diet or the exercise. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, like, yeah, eating McDonald's isn't healthy for you all day. Mm-hmm. Eating burgers isn't all day, but you can eat a lot. And that's the thing people don't understand is food is calories. So if you eat a lot of food, you can burn off that food in a workout if you work out a lot, if you have the time to. If you go surfing in Bali, I don't know how many calories you burn. You burn a lot of mm-hmm. calories. Mm-hmm. Jumping in the sauna, you're burning calories. Jumping in the ice bath, you're burning calories. Living in Bali, we're sweating all the time. Mm. We burn a lot more calories here than we do in a colder climate. Just walking you know, around. Just walking around. I think the the point you make is, um, I agree, but but I also I I suspect the there is a there's a nuance there about mm. what we eat, isn't there as mm. well? Because I don't imagine you are going to you're not having McDonald's and KFC and Pizza Hut every day, are you? No, so, but I, I'll. Every now and again, I will have McDonald's. You have a naughty. Yeah, I didn't for naughty years. Big Mac. I didn't eat McDonald's for about ten years, um, but just recently we've been doing uh, lots of construction, building a villa, and so it's come along with going with my wife into Denpasar, doing some very stressful days with a newborn yeah. baby, and there's not so much food access in Denpasar, and we have had the sneaky McDonald's every now and again. Yeah. Yeah. But a, I we know it. we know you the know restaurant what? in Denpasar. We do, yeah. When I eat it. I love it. Yeah. I fully embrace it. I'm like, I am eating McDonald's right now. I'm going to enjoy it, every single bit of it. So well, you like, should embrace everything you 100%. eat, shouldn't you? Because you're, I'm like, you're, I sometimes won't eat something if I'm not really mm. that fussed about it. And you're mm. always like, oh, eat it. You can't waste it because you love, you just love eating. Well, I'm, I don't leave it clear. Whereas I'm just I don't like, leave stuff on a plate. I'm not, I want to really love it. I think mm. it, uh, something you said earlier as well, which uh, which I'm interested to talk, talk further mm. about, it plays to this idea that you, I think you can eat anything as long as you, mm. you as long as you're really in tune mm. with your body, 100%. in tune with your mind, and and, yeah. um, and ultimately, vegetarianism doesn't work for all, and it no. does for some. Veganism 100%. doesn't work for all, yeah, uh, but it does for some. Hundred um, percent. And so I, I don't think there, I don't think there is such a thing as this, you know this sort of black and white yeah, prescription and pigeonholing that we do. I always say to people is I get asked a lot from people they'll come into the gym and they'll train with me or they'll message me and be like man what's your diet i'm like dude you probably don't want to know i just had a big mac don't want to know i didn't just have a big (laughs) mac but it's it's completely different as i'm like my diet is based around what i do for exercise i train a lot more than you so you don't want to have my diet because if you have my diet you probably will gain some weight because i have to eat a lot because i'm training a lot just because i do something a certain way we're all biologically different we're all so, 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 so different. We all do different activities every single day. Mm. And yes, veganism does work for some people. It's, I remember, you know, what's it been now? Like two years since the carnivore diet came around. And I remember when Joe Rogan like started, everyone's like, he's crazy. How can this, you are going to die if you just eat meat. Red there's, meat, red meat, red there's meat. There's lots of people doing it now. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people doing it now and they're feeling good. Mm. And there's lots of people eating vegan food all day and they're feeling good mm. there's lots of people doing all different diets and my best way of telling people is like try a few diets for a while and see how you feel exactly it's a check simple in. it's a simple answer check in with your body check That's in with good. yourself sit with yourself see how you feel how mm. do you feel after you ate that yeah we uh, have you heard of bsi hospital yeah yeah yep. we, we went there and i've been uh, there and you've done the, the whole process of the tests and the i went there and... a few years ago yeah yeah we yep. did that we did that last year and uh and I, it's so funny. I think our relationship with with you know where the medical aspect fits in with 
fitness and mm. nutrition. They don't, do they? They sort of no. don't. You think about it, you know, you're seeing a regular, <laughs> regular GP and say, yeah. I'm feeling depressed. Nobody asks you what you're eating. Nobody asks yeah. you what you're consuming. Or what you're doing. But, uh, yeah, BSI, I did 91 blood and urine tests. Yeah. Now, I've never done anything like that before. And of yeah, course, yeah. this guy gets the computer out, you mm. know, it sits me in front of a screen and says, you know, we don't need to do x-rays or anything mm. like that. Look, we're going to look at your source mm-hmm. code. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> we're going to look at your blood. And it was a fascinating mm. process, wasn't it? The point I'm trying to make is, actually having done that, then this guy says, well, based on what your source code says, and your age, and your mm. weight, and yada yada, you ought to be eating this, you ought not mm. to be eating that. Now, I'm, I'm taking that. Mm. I'm taking that to the bank, because that guy's seen my blood. Yeah, But of course... You'd go and see him, you know, a completely different conversation. 100%. She'll go and see him and have a completely different conversation. Mm. And we haven't even taken into account movement, what mm. we do for a, jo- uh, for a day job, how much sleep are you getting, yep. what music are you listening to, what, exactly. what other things are we consuming that yeah. that, uh, that creates that yeah. that sense of peace, yeah. oneness, and yeah. connection with your body. Sure. It can It can really come back to, uh, I can relate a lot of that back to learning to meditate. You know, to be able to make that mind-body connection is like, how am I feeling right now? Mm-hmm. If I'm looking good, if my skin's looking good, if I'm happy, if I'm sleeping good, I'm good. Mm-hmm. I don't need to change my diet. Like, don't change something that's not working. Mm-hmm. You know, and no. that's how that's how I live my life. If I if I'm feeling good and I'm happy, I don't need to change it. You know, it's I don't I won't try and look for a new diet or, and I feel it's yeah it's become it's become silly. The whole diet thing's become a big money grab. It's yeah. It's it's a huge money grab. It's the a same as billion dollar market, isn't it? It's a huge thing, and it's lots of things have become big money grabs. You know, selling fake fitness programs from people who aren't actually fit have become a huge money grab. And you know, I've seen some people who sell fitness programs and they come to the gym, they're not even fit. Mm. You know, they just got a good, they're just genetically gifted. They have good a physique. They have a nice body. Yeah, but you can't know? Do the cardiovascular There's stuff. Some women who genetically are born with bigger bums than others, they go and sell a booty program. They're not even trainers. Mm. And it's the same with men. Some men are born genetically gifted with good physiques, but they're not that fit. And they'll go sell a diet plan to have the body they have. It's all it's all mm. completely made up. Mm. Retrofitted fakeness. Sure. Isn't it? It's very Fakery. fake. There's a there's a very fake fitness world out there. It's mm. very big. And social media's made it huge. It's huge. It's well, I, I was going to ask you about that. Is because you, you have people, as you said earlier, from sixty to eighteen. Mm. Well what's your perspective? Perhaps not through the people you're working with in the in the classes, but what's your what's your your perspective of, of how social media is driving, fiercely driving mm. the 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 younger generations, well, actually all generations, perspective of of what the human body ought to be looking like. For women, in a bad way, mm-hmm. I feel it's driving women in a bad way. It will change, I hope, eventually, but it's driven women to be a way to think that skinny is sexy to be slim and look really slim in a bikini but it's to be really slim but then also have a massive booty and massive boobs it's just like 100 percent. yeah and it's it's driven it to become that way and you know it's 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 very sad how eight-year-olds have access to instagram and their brains are a sponge and they're developing in this and there's 10-year-olds who are like oh i want to look like that Mm. that's what's popular Mm. that's what that's what gets the most likes what gets the most likes on Instagram? The girl who's in the bikini. So I need she's to gonna get like that. She's going to get a lot more likes than the girl who's wearing a jumper and long jeans. Mm. You know, and I do believe it's it's different for men. Though. I feel men aren't on there 
looking at other guys' bodies, going, I've got to look that way. I feel it's it's definitely, you know, I have lots of friends too, women who are in the fitness industry who used to train to be slim and now they train to be strong and fit and they're just so much happier, you know. And um, I had a friend here recently and she's inspiring girls to do what she's doing. It's like, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because with women with training, if they're training and they're doing some upper body stuff, they're going to get muscles and then they have that persona of like, oh, men might not like my muscles. I'm supposed to have skinny arms, a big bum and a small stomach. It's a, it's a, diff, it's a difficult one. And yeah, well, I think it is. I think, I think it's a, I think it's a long-term problem, but there, I, I, I've had, I thought about it, I would have dug up the study, but I know there is some science on the mm. effects of depression on on young mm. folks as a result of, of seeing uh, what these people perceive to be, you know, the perfect mm. body, mm. not being able to at- uh, achieve that yeah. and then mm. feeling very upset with themselves about it. But it's not even a new thing. I mean, obviously, social media has exacerbated the whole situation. But yeah. if you look back, every decade has a different body shape for a woman. Mm. 100%. What's, what's fashionable? What is, what, yeah. What's fashionable and what do men like this decade? Yeah. And women are then shaping themselves into that. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a lot. There's a bizarre pressure and, and a huge mm. effect on mental illness. And and I, I make no judgment either way. But I, certainly, an observation I have is I've seen a, a lot more women, a lot more younger women actually, with um, fillers in their cheeks <laughs> and um, Botox in their lips. Mm. And uh, you really know, like, young, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I mean. Like it's I say, sad. it's sad. I make no it's judgment really here, sad. and it's your yeah. body. Do what you like with it. Do what you like. Um, but you're but, already really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. But I. But I, I think you know, the point I was going to make was, you know, I'm old enough to remember where plastic surgery was quite a new thing, mm. and it, and primarily it was old people getting plastic surgery to look younger. Yeah. Um, which. Again, you know, that's up to you if you want to do that. Complete, but it's the complete well, switch now. Well, that's the, the that's the thing I struggle to to comprehend how a young person isn't content with how they look. You know, that's the scary thing is that a younger person's brain is like a sponge. You know, it's it's not developed and it absorbs everything. You know, especially the younger, I believe, the younger you are, the more information you're absorbing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the access the that teenagers have these days and children have to so much information is so dangerous. I feel yeah. it's so dangerous. And I worry for what's going to happen. You know, you see these kids that are now that are just so addicted to their phones and it's become, it's become so sad. And whether it's even just from a thing about image or it just comes back to, you know, we've started the conversation with addiction. That's the biggest addiction in the world right now. Everyone's addicted to it. You know, you can't say that you're not addicted to your phone. If I say to you, go two days without it, you're like, oh, but I need it. Well, I'm sure you're going to be fine without your phone for two days. You'll still be alive. Mm-hmm. Like, but you try to take the phone off a teenager for like two hours, they they freak out. Mm. They almost have an anxiety attack. Yeah. It's a drug. It's the dopamine hit. It is. It's, the, it is the dopamine it's, Instagram has been built to feed that. You know, it's yes. a, mm. every single human is addicted to dopamine. The molecule the of more. As and it's to been. reduce very, the very concentration. Smart. It's getting smaller and smaller, isn't it? Yeah. What's that, sorry? To reduce people's concentration. It's Mm. getting shorter and shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The attention span is... Yeah, and it's like... um, We're we're goldfish level now. Someone was saying that the other day about how we've gone from like... Even Instagram used to be, you know, a really nice image and Mm. then a beautiful, heartfelt... Yeah. 
blurb to read. I know. And then it's got shorter and shorter, and now it's like reels, and it's yeah. got to be instant and quick. And, and the algorithms, so. the algorithms mm-hmm. switch as well now. So actually, the algorithm yeah. less intre- less less interested in still images. Mm. Yeah. I, I got into using Instagram because I was I like to take photographs. Well, it was it was yeah. photography, wasn't right. it? Sure, that's that was how it started. Yeah. yeah. And it's become such a tool is where people are so addicted to the instant gratification. Yep. You know, they can't see the long term in anything. Mm. It's like, well, if I want to become really successful, I've got to work hard. Oh, shit. I yeah. can't just get that now. Show me the hack. It's that instant dopamine hit. Yeah. And it's, it's scary because how does that affect an eight-year-old? We don't know yet. You know, Instagram's only being... I know when I, I started Instagram in like 2012 and in that time, yeah, it was just sharing photos. You'd just post a random picture of a bush or mm-hmm. a garden or yeah, a rock yeah. or a flower lunch. Yeah. with your phone and your, your photography. Yeah. And then now it's become what it is now. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, and everybody's well, it's, it's following the TikTok model, isn't it? Yeah. So everyone's now... For sure. Making, going out of their way to make these mini micro sure. shows. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it is a great tool. It's a, it's the, for it's sure. The, it's the best marketing tool in the world. You know, it's my main marketing tool for, yep. for my gym. And um, I don't use it so much for my personal, my personal use. But um, I've had this conversation with many friends and people in the past about, you know, you always question yourself, like, should I be on this platform? Should I not? Is it a good pa- platform? Is it bad for people? Am I addicted to it? Should I even be scrolling through it? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, everyone's got their own personal opinion about it. But I believe that if you are helping someone through that tool, well, yeah, it's great. It's a great thing. But then everyone can say that, you know, a girl who's got a good a bikini body could say, it, oh, yeah, well, I'm inspiring women to have the bikini body like me. But mm-hmm. is that healthy? Yeah, it's, well, I suppose there are different levels of inspira- inspiration. Yeah, and and I think we've we've got a societally we've we're very confused about uh, a lot of things now, and one of those things is what is inspiring. Mm. Obviously, people could, people are inspired to mm. get rich quick and to people are inspired to get a lot of followers. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, yeah. that's one of the big ones. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. that's one of the teenagers. You know, that's the scary thing is to see if like teenagers now who are in school. It's very easy to see who's the most popular kid in school. Who's got the most followers? That's the first popular kid. He's number two. She's number three. You know, whereas back when we were in school, there wasn't any of that. You no. knew who was the. But now it's it's just become this instant tool of measuring people and young people making their dream to be like i want to be an instagram influencer yeah what if it gets deleted one day <laughs> you know yeah. some days i think like, oh, i'll be so cool if this tool just got oh, wiped off yes. the face of the earth let's one go day, back to you know? well instagram yeah but I, I mean I'm, I'm also i'm with you because we we use instagram for mm. for our, our promotion yeah for sure and, and actually you know we, we get a lot mm. of people especially because we do these little video trailers mm. for, for the episodes we get a lot of people and sharing them which is really yeah nice it's, so, it's it's amazing so i, I think uh, just I suppose it's one of the, it's a conversation about technology as much as anything else, isn't it? I, yeah. Because technology has evolved so exponentially so in, the, in the past few years, we struggle. I think we're struggling to keep up with it, but also we are being encouraged to to just to, to get on our knees mm. to this this technocracy, yeah. um, as opposed to just dipping in and using these technologies mm. as and when they are they are practic- um, practically helpful for us. Because yeah. they all are. You know, I mean, obviously sure. a lot of these, these technologies are awesome, but it, it's when you become reliant on it. It's when, mm. it's when you become addicted to it. Yeah, it's, so. it's, a, it's a difficult one. I've even battled with myself. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've gone through times where you know, I'm like, oh my God, I spent way too much time on Instagram today. I spent way too much time on my phone. I'm very 
it's something I've learned over the last, you know, it takes a long time and it's very, the phone's a difficult one, you know. Mm. Sometimes I'll ask people like, what's your screen time a day? And they'll have a look. It's always more than what they think. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So if you think like, I don't, I don't know what the average person's screen time is. Let's say it's three to four hours. You spend four hours on your phone a day. It's 25% of your life. Yeah. Spend four wow. hours on your phone. Can you imagine like getting to when you're, you're 80 years old and you're sick and you're dying? You're like, I spent 25% of my life scrolling, looking at that damn screen. Liking. Uh, you know, liking stuff. photos. <laughs> watching, so, yeah. watching TikTok videos. 25% of your life is crazy. And that's just four hours a day. People are like, oh, I'm only on it four hours a day. Shocker, isn't it? You sleep for eight hours. You're awake for 16. You're scrolling you on your day? phone in a screen. You know, mm. what did you develop from that? You yeah, know? what did you actually learn? What did well, you learn? Because that's, I suppose there's, there's, a, there's a point in there, isn't there? There are, think about your industry. Your mm. industry is, is uh, Instagram is rammed to the rafters with, with fitness yep. and, and health. And yeah, and some, as you've, as you've identified, some being uh, some relatively fake, but then some phenomenal For inspirational sure. people. Is it? Yeah. Chap I follow called Metabolic Mike. He's uh he does he's talk, he's either talking about fitness nutrition or cold plunges and uh, yeah. biohacking so um but but that's the sort of stuff for sure we absolutely ought to be yeah. imbibing for sure I mean I you know I I'll, I I follow all sorts of random accounts yeah. so I'm I, I guess I'm following a lot of things to do with meditation to do with yeah well, to do with this field to do with how to yeah. die happy but still. You're right. We've we've to we've to be careful about how much time. Well, we you spend still have on to that. scroll through the other bits to get. Yeah. To you you got to hit the trash. You That's go where s- they've they've nailed it because I wish I could say. Yeah, just see. The I good only want to see because I follow a few people who are really inspiring yoga teachers. Yeah. Very um movement based and mobility, and I'm getting really into following yeah. them. I learn something from them every day, but I can't mm. just say to Instagram. I only want to mm. see their tiles. Mm. And I feel it's become a thing as where. You know, it's probably not a nice thing to say, but it's given idiots access to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's given idiots a to voice. To audiences, yeah. And then it's also become a tool where Instagram's algorithm works. Even if you say something that is going to be very, very debated and you know everyone's going to disagree with you, it's going to be high in the algorithm because yeah. you're going to get so many comments. Mm. And so people now look for anything that's going to be highly debated and people aren't going to agree with, mm. you know, just to get the the video views because everyone's yeah. going to show how's this idiot yep. how's this person doing this that's not true it's become this thing where mm. yeah that's one of the negatives i see about it but i completely with you on the the benefits of it you know i lose it i use it it's my main marketing tool for my business and we get messages all the time from people saying oh my god i'm so inspired from seeing other people in your gym it's so fit. i watch your stories every day just to get motivated everyone there's just going super hard and mm. Whenever I want to get motivated, I just jump on and watch your guys' stories and see these people in there, you know. It's of nice. all different ages, all different sizes. And, um, yeah, it's, well, yeah we'll, we'll see where the whole thing goes <laughs> in five goes. to ten years. Who knows? Well, it's, you... what, my biggest thing is I see with people is like what's, what's scary about it is what's going to happen with teenagers who mm. have this addiction and this addiction to instant gratification. You know, they go through high school and they go through their schooling years and they think they're super they think they're very popular getting all these likes and all of a sudden they finish high school and mummy and daddy have told them how good they are and they're the best and oh my God, you're so pretty and beautiful and all of a sudden they have to get a job. Mm. Your, the boss, real world. your boss don't care about your Instagram, you know, if you're not making money and it's it's become a bit scary that these, I'm sure it's a lot more common with women, but they have this, as a, as a teenager, they have this goal to be, what do you want to grow up? I want to be an Instagram model, mm. you know? It's like, I don't think they make that much money. You know, I've met a few in my time and they're, they 
they're a little bit broke. <laughs> yeah. I remember you know? when reality TV started and there was a TV show called Big Brother. I don't know if they made that in Australia as well. Yeah, Big Brother. Big Brother. Um, and I remember I watched the first episode, the first season of Big Brother because we all did. Because yeah. we were all like, what? This is what? fly on the wall, put a lot of strangers in the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What could possibly go wrong? But then it became this this huge global phenomenon and they were doing mm. Celebrity Big Brothers. And um, anyway, the, the point is, I don't know when it happened, but I mm. remember then seeing, in the UK anyway, it's not, mm. perhaps not the case everywhere, that there were people, there were children saying, mm. I, I, when I grow up, mm. I want to be a celebrity. Mm. Yeah. I want to be... A, yeah. a, I want to be on Big Brother. I want to be on Big Brother. Yeah. I, I want to be on, on reality TV. Yeah. The definition of role model kind of yeah. massive They want to be seen. Direction. Yeah. They want to be seen by the masses. Yeah. yeah. But of course, yeah. these, were, these people, and the, the, the bizarre aspect of that was people were becoming famous for mm. being on reality TV. For sure. Shows. So they were becoming celebrities yeah. from being, I don't know, it's... One of the things I think with that, though, is like people who they think if they get on the reality show, it's very short-lived. Their fame is very short-lived. You're famous yeah. for a year, then no one cares about you two years later. Yeah, you know? and there's you a lot of depression and 100%. Uh, a lot of, lot of negative the, stuff that happens sure. off the back of it because sure. there's the one minute they're inflated, next minute they're deflated. And, of course, they're, sure. they're at the hands of the uh, the tabloid press as well. Sure. A lot of these people a lot of these people are who, are, who, sure. who make money out of their image are, 100%. unfortunately subject to uh, to the winds of the tabloids, sure. aren't they? So one day... It's one of the scary things. Like if you're planning to be an Instagram model, your looks are going to fade one day. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be there forever. Mm. And are you going to be happy when they fade? Because <laughs> it's going to happen. Well, I suppose you can have some more fillers and and, uh, and some more Botox. But, uh, or just embrace the aging process. And Amen to that, sister. the person you are as you age. Yeah. We kind of, we've lost that ability to see that. Mm. Well, we haven't all. Not but, all of us. Uh, but yeah, I, I think societally it's, uh, it's, it's a thing to be concerned about. I but look you at you, my love. You're aging handsomely. Gracefully. <laughs> something about Like Bali. a fine wine. There's something about Bali where everyone looks a lot younger than what they actually are. I, I agree. Life, isn't 100%. it? 100%. I, yeah. I agree. Well, I, well I, I don't know if it's just Bali, but I, I think it's certainly in certain communities I've mm. noticed. I mean, I, I, the, uh, most of the people we know who live here... Mm. Do I think we just we've all got a younger outlook? Hundred percent. But then I suppose we're surrounded by happy people who are smiling every day. We're getting vitamin D every day. We get chances to get in the ocean every day. We're moving our bodies. We get to eat pretty good food, and I feel it's you are a product of your environment. And we're surrounded with these happy people with beautiful energy, and it's yeah. You can't lie that Bali's full of good-looking people mm-hmm. and a lot of happy people. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, um, it is. Yeah. It is, and 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 I think also a lot of conscious people as well. So 100%. not just uh, not just meditators or yogis, but, but no. I, I think people who are they're treating the mm. treating the body and mind the way they ought to be, like 100%. like a temple. And they're doing and they're doing what makes them happy. Yeah. If you're here, you've you've left your life in your country yeah. where you were. You know, and I was that that's what it was for me. Is Bali was the goal. He's like, oh, I've got to find a way to live here. Mm-hmm. I've got to find a way to live here because I hated my life in Australia. You know, I was the other way around. I'd, okay. I'd never been to Bali, and uh, oh, I mean, I hated my life in in England. Mm. But um, I came here for a for a week. Mm. Um, I think it was like in a, in December 2018, just to check it out. Mm. I was only I was I, I didn't really have a holiday, so I was spinning around looking at properties mm. and yada yada. And and then that was it. Mm. I decided after wow. that, okay, I'm, I'm moving, and I moved in April. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm glad I did. Yeah. And, I, and I, so many people I know uh, who the same the sort of people we're talking about now who have mm-hmm. all made that that uh, that big move and, and never regretted it. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And never want to never yeah. want to plug back. I mean, why? No. Once you've unplugged from the matrix, you don't really want to plug back in. You can't. Do you? you can't go back. I feel it'd be very very difficult to go back. Mm. I don't plan to go back to Australia anytime soon. No, I'm not. I'm not planning not to go to the UK all. either. You're, you're going back at Christmas, though, aren't you? Yeah, for holiday. Yeah. Yeah. holidays are okay That's and then right. when you have those little holidays they make you appreciate Bali on a whole other level too you mm. come back and you know you yeah because you do start kind of quest- sometimes you start questioning little bits yeah like, for sure do I want to be back there or am I missing sure. these things and you go back and have your little fix and after sure. like two weeks you're like okay two weeks of rain <laughs> for sure freezing cold <laughs> and uh and food crises, crises, and uh, utility crises that they're having over there. 100%. Yeah, I'm kind of watching from from this side of the world, going, Phew. yeah. So uh, we are, we have quite a lot of people in in England listening to us. So uh, hope you're all okay under the circumstances. Now, I wanted to ask you one more thing actually about social media before mm. we, we we move on. Yeah. One thing I love that you do on social media is you you do these short videos sometimes where you just do a like a load of ab mm. stuff. Mm. I've saved I've saved all of them. <laughs> What? That's why you got an eight pack now. That's why I've got that's <laughs> that why, video. That's why there's an eight pack <laughs> under this shirt. But, um, but but I think stuff like that is mm. super super um, really helpful for for anybody who's yeah, and, and sure. I think and very inspirational for somebody for sure. who might not be going to the gym. And that was really the question I had. It's mm. you know we're talking about all of these fit and happy mm. people in Uluwatu and yeah. everyone with these great bodies. But but what about the poor folks who are doing a three hour? commute in and out of London every day yeah, and yeah, 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 sitting yeah. at the desks mm-hmm. yeah. and um, they're exhausted and yeah, I did that yeah, for four yeah. years so I know how that sure. feels. What are the what are some of the, 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 the easy things they could do without a gym? Well the number one key to living a long life is cardiovascular exercise so that's my answer for that question is not run Run, just get your heart beating, you know, mm. get your heart beating every day, whether it's, whether it's any way possible, go for a 10 minute run, get a treadmill in your house and do a 10 minute run before you have to go to work. If I had to go back to a life of working, like I used to work in Australia with a free half an hour every day in the mornings before work, when I'd work construction or something, it would be find some type of run. I would run in nature, mm. you know, cause I'd be able to meditate and get my heart rate at the same time. Mm. But yeah, I believe that is scientifically proven to be one of the best keys for living long is cardio exercise, getting the, getting the heart beating. CV. And you mentioned earlier on uh, that actually sprinting is, is better for you. Mm. So I, I suppose we haven't really talked about high-intensity training. Mm. So for, that, for, for people listening to the podcast who haven't got a clue what mm. HIT is, yep. do you want to give us a quick rundown? HIT stands for High Intensity Interval Training. So it's short burst of very intense exercise followed by rest, followed by, again, very high-intensity bursts of exercise. It's, it's a mix of cardiovascular-based exercises and strength-based exercises. Um, but then going back to your question just then is there's a lot of people who aren't so experienced in the, in the fitness world who perhaps you know don't have that much free time like you were just saying. Is a lot of people don't realize that let's say you are quite obese and your goal is to get a six pack one day. You're not going to get it from doing six, from just doing sit ups. You've mm-hmm. got to burn the fat. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is you cannot burn body fat from just one area of your body. You cannot do it. You can build that muscle, but let's say you have 30% body fat. You're, you're, you're quite obese. 
you have to lower that body fat percentage. You've got to do cardio. Do just cardio first and then build the muscles later. A lot of people, you know, they'd be like in the gym doing all these sit-ups. Oh, I'm going to get sit-ups. I'm going to get sit-ups. But their body fat percentage is too high. You're going to get those sit-ups way quicker if you just ran every day. Mm, you're going to lower you- your body fat percentage. You're going to be able to see your abs. You're going to see your muscles. That's one of the things people get confused about. And that's one of the things too is a lot of people sell these fake programs of I'll sell you the best booty workout, but that booty workout might not be for good. Like that booty workout probably won't be very good for someone who's very obese, who has a very high body fat percentage. They need to lower their body fat composition mm. first mm-hmm. and then do the muscle toning later. Yeah, that's a that's a really yeah. valid point. I've, I've known lots of people do that as well who, who are overweight. They just go to the gym and start lifting it's weights. Ter- and, that, and that's when it's... Even when I met the, the client who I told you about, you know, she'd gone to the typical weights gyms and employed a personal trainer and she was already slightly obese and they would just get her in there doing some bicep curls and that's like, you're not going to get any results and that's why you hate exercise mm. because you're not enjoying it. You're going to this thing you don't enjoy and you're not getting any results so therefore you hate it mm-hmm. and you don't enjoy it and they tie this negative aspect to exercise. Like, oh, i got to go to the gym. Yeah. And that's one thing is I try and teach people is like, you should get addicted to exercise and love it. You know, I never, ever, maybe I'm weird, but I get so excited to go train. I'm like, oh, my God, yesterday I get to go before I run. I'm getting all excited and I just love it because it, for me it's an addiction and it's my mm-hmm. escape and I try and teach that to people. I'm like, once you can unlock that key, there's the answer. Yeah. You're going to be healthy the rest of your life. Mm. You know, it's like I plan to be doing this when I'm 60, 70. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. I plan to be doing it when I'm 16, 70, which means I need to get back on the horse. Mm. That's, uh, and that's actually something I was going to ask you about. What, what's your experience of, of people getting into training later in life? So let's say somebody decides in their mm. mid-40s, right, okay. Mm. Perhaps they've never trained, mm-hmm. or I, that's not me. I mean, I, I, I have trained a lot. Yeah. But on and off, on and off, on and off. Yeah. Actually, with a, a career as, as an alcoholic, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would often have big injuries. Yeah. Like, you know, broken stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and it's only when you, you know, look back in hindsight and go, ah, that's why you stopped trading. Because <laughs> you broke your shoulder yeah. snowboarding in a park in England. Yeah. You can't snowboard in parks in England. For sure. <laughs> pissed, obviously. I was pissed yeah. out of my mind. So. So if you've, you've got people in their mid-40s who are, uh, who are saying, okay, actually, I am going to give this a go. Yeah. Where do they start? It would straight away when I get a client, let's say someone's 40, I'll ask them what's their reason. Why do you want to do it? Why do you want to do it? You might just walk into the gym and you might say, I want to get stronger. Okay, so your program is going to be to get stronger. You might have a client who comes in who's severely obese and like, I want to lose some weight. I'm sick of looking this way. Or you might find someone who comes in who says, I want to get, to the highest levels of cardiovascular endurance I've ever been in my whole life. And I have a thing for, for my personal self, and I say it to some people, I'm like, you want to be able to look back when you're older and be like, that was the one time when I was the strongest I ever was. Mm. That time. You want to have a photo maybe to show your grandkids, but like, look at me when I was this strong. And then you might want to have a time when you were like, this is when I was the most cardiovascular fit I ever was. I could run 20Ks and that's for me my outlooks on exercise. And I say it to some people, it's like, you know, answering your question is how would you push someone in the right direction? It would be dependable on what their goals were. But for someone who's never done anything, it would be my way of teaching people is 
to have a mixture of everything, you know, for, for, for men and for women, we want to engage all of the muscles in our body. We want to still be working, stimulating every single muscle. But I'm a big, because my background comes from Muay Thai, it's a very cardiovascular based sport. I love cardio. So lots of my way of getting people to love exercise is cardio and to love that feeling of your heart beating throughout your body to get that heart rate very, very, very high. And I see it, you know, one thing I, I bring, which is meditation has taught me a lot as well and learning about the breath. Meditation, I started to learn meditate. And then from that, as you start learning meditation, you hear these things about breathe and, the, you know, doing the, doing the podcasts and listening to all these meditation teachers that would always with the breath. So then I went on my own journey about studying the breath. I was reading books and doing breath work. So I went to some Wim Hof seminars and doing all my own experiments on myself with the breath. And that was when I found this feeling of when I finish a very, very high intense workout of just sitting and coming back to the breath and just being so present and just being so still. This is something I brought into my classes now. So, and yeah, I see, I just see how still everyone is. And a lot of people who aren't usually very still people, they just sit there and they're like, "Mm," and I'm like, that feeling you have right now where you feel your heart beating, embrace it, love it, get addicted to it. And they do. It's very, very easy to feel it. You know, <laughs> when that heart rate's very high, you can feel it. You know, yeah. it's, it's, and I say to people like right now, you are very, very present. And meditating. 100%. You just didn't know it. it was, you just didn't Eckhart know it. Tolle said one conscious breath is a meditation. Completely. It's okay. so nice to hear of that being brought in. For sure. Through training. And sure. so obviously, because of course we hear of it in, in the yoga industry. Yeah. And, and that's kind of often how it works. You mm. you go through these real high intensity moments yeah. and then it's like sit and feel and breathe. For sure. And, but to be bringing that into like yeah. fitness into and the training gym. and into yeah. the gym, I think is so yeah. good because it's what people need. For sure. Mm. I've, I've, I've reached new levels of my training with learning about the breath. You know, mm. I, I read some books about the breath and what's going on in the body when we breathe and all about the lungs and what's happening when we hold our breath and exhale and breathing at certain paces, nose breathing, mouth breathing and mm, the difference in the breath. And, and it's, it's definitely reached my levels of cardio to a, to a, to a new level. I wish I knew this stuff about the breath and the power that the breath has of our body. When I was fighting, when I was younger, I feel I would have been better than I was. Mm-hmm. And just knowing that, you know, it's the, the human species. We're the only species on the planet. Forget me if I'm wrong, but we're the only species that has the ability to speed up our heart rate from our breath. Mm. And the only species that can slow our heart rate down. Mm. No other animal can do that. So mm. that's have you read James Nestor's book? Yeah, I read it. Yeah, It's a great book. He's a, he's a wizard when it comes to all things breath. Book. And that's one of the things that's where, you know, the level of cardio and fighters, it's, it's reaching whole new levels now. And I started experimenting a little while. It's like bringing in small breath holds into my training, which is quite intense. And yeah, there's, there's, a, there's so many different levels to it. And then, then there's the oxygen masks that people can wear now. I'm not a big believer in them. Um, and there's the altitude training where, you, where you're training in, up, in the, up in the mountains where, people, where there's less oxygen. Mm-hmm. So when you come down to normal levels of yeah. oxygen, you're an absolute beast. But one of the things that, yeah, it's one of the things I say to people too is if you're fit in Bali, if you get fit in one of our classes, if you're getting through it and you're one of the top people in the class, you're a beast. If you go back to your country yeah, where it's not as humid and you're not sweating as much and it's a whole different level, you're an absolute beast. Mm-hmm. I used to get this from, you know, I learned this from when I would live in Thailand. I would get fit in Thailand and go back to Australia and just be an absolute weapon. 
<laughs> oh, God, this is so easy. I can breathe the air. And of course. I hadn't I thought believe, about that. Yeah, I believe Bali is one of the most humid places in the world, so you sweat a lot. It's yeah. regularly 90% humidity, isn't it? From the humidity, it feels like you're getting in less oxygen. And I see all the time people who've never been here, they come in the gym and they're fit in their country. They might be from Europe. You know, we've had, I remember we've had a guy come from Norway winter one time, come to class. He's like, I'm a beast and super fit. And then halfway through, he's like, I'm seeing black dots. And I'm like, dude, because you've come from like 10. Sit down. You've come from like a place where it's 10, 5 degrees and you're training in the most humid places in the world. It takes the body time to adapt. Yeah. And I remember even, but the body's very powerful in how it adapts. It will adapt. I remember when I first moved to Thailand, I flew over to Thailand and I booked myself in for a fight, started fight training. And I was just like, what have I done? I can't do this. My whole body was just aching because you sweat so much more in Thailand. It's very similar, mm, yeah. very similar temperatures to here. And I flew from an Australian winter. It was like late June. So it was very cold. Flew over there straight into fire camp and I was just cramping every day. My muscles were cramping. It was so hard for me. I was getting beaten up by the Thais. I was getting really sad. I was like, I can't do this. My body, like these guys are on a different level. I can't do this in this heat. After two weeks, I was like, I'll just stick it out a little bit longer. After two weeks, my body adapted. Mm-hmm. It adapted. Yeah. And it's the same for us here. You know, my body's extremely climatized to the heat here. Mm. You know, I train, I've train, been training it every single day now for five years. And then I remember in little trips going back to Australia, it just makes everything easy. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Well, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. And also, also something you said, um, Jules, a minute ago, I was, I was just contemplating... There does seem to be this emergence, convergence now between certain fitness mm. experts, you included, and uh, some of the yogi traditions. And, I, and I'm yeah. quite fascinated with, with what's happening there. And along with, and you mentioned Wim Hof, of course. Mm. I think Wim Hof's done a wonderful um, thing for, for, for the for the story of breath in general. Yeah. Make, people are making it accessible, aren't they? They're sort of taking a lot of the ancient practices. All the breath work was there before. Exactly that. Was there. And just re... It's been repackaged. It, repackaging it, yeah. and yeah. then it appeals to different people. So exactly some people that. will still resonate with the traditional. Mm. You know, a lot of the breath work I do in Kundalini is so similar yeah. to the Wim Hof or a lot of the more modern techniques of breath. It's not a modern technique. It's just no. been rewrapped and yeah, presented. Sure. In a yeah, no, I mean, nobody's way. invented any of these new these breathwork techniques. No, they've been all around for a long time. Uh, Wim Hof was the one who made it big and woke everyone up to it and exactly realized that. the power of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I remember when I first did the, the Wim Hof, I was, I was blown away. Mm. And I've done lots of breathwork over the years and learned stuff on my own and gone through studied, done lots of studies on my own and figured out how can I bring this into training, you know, and... And I've learned, and I've learned lots, but I also too have found that a lot of people have taken the breath work as a money grab. Mm. Yep. You know, it's like, yeah. I can sit to you right now and make you hyperventilate and go tingly <laughs> and you're going to be like, oh my God, what just happened to me? Yeah. Like, That's the power of the breath, man. No, I just made you hyperventilate. You just didn't breathe yeah. properly. I just made you hyperventilate. And it's very, very, yeah, that's one of the negatives I feel is a lot yeah. of people mm-hmm. who aren't that experienced in teaching breath work or they only know how to teach one way. They know how to teach the way, the Wim Hof way, which is to hyperventilate. Yes, you are going to feel tingly. It's the body's natural response Mm. to being hyperventilated and it's become a selling tool to Mm. sell that feeling. Yeah, I've I've, I've done it to many friends and stuff like that. They've they've never done it before and they're like, oh my God, what did you just do? No, you did it to yourself. You just hyperventilated, dude. It's easy. It is a, it's a weird it's weird how that's been repackaged actually because if you think again it's a breathwork tool yeah that you can all these other breathwork 
exercises that are in class and you would mm. do multiple exercises in one sure. class or you can pay like sometimes up to 10 times the amount to go and do one type of breath work connected breathing we're talking about as well that yeah conscious there's, connected yeah there's, breathing. there's various yeah. yeah holotropic no i mean the um the the, the breath yeah. where you've and it, constantly yeah. find yourself hyperventilating and it really depends yeah. on the the instructor because i've mm. done a lot of the um, conscious connecting breath work and yeah. sometimes I'm, nothing's happening and yeah. i am just being taught to hyperventilate but other yeah. times i've worked with practitioners who mm. i am actually having a, an incredible out of body sure. experience and i'm seeing visions and it becomes a completely different practice yeah. as you said so many people are now mm marketing themselves as leaders. I know, and I feel that they're all marketing themselves in a different way to try to make themselves sound different, mm. but they're still using the same tool. They're hyperventilating yeah. same, people. Same, but different. And you're going to get the the similar response to the body. Mm. You're going to get the tingles in your hands and people might cry and that type of thing. And then people are going to have, yeah, I remember the first time I did it, it brought stuff up. Mm. You know, the first time I ever done it was many, many years ago and it brought stuff up. And I feel that a lot of people, they're learning about to become a breathwork teacher, but they're not learning to deal with the people when those things come up. No, no they're not holding space. You're learning to break people <laughs> yeah, down, but you don't know sure. how to put them back together. Do you, do you know how to, to fix them. them when that happens? Well, that's, we, we talked about that on the show before in a different context. Mm. Unfortunately, and I, I suspect it's, it's, it's in part thanks to technology. Mm. Now we have the... Uh, and. and, and um, our widespread use of, of screens. So now we're, and obviously the, the pandemic, which locked yeah. us all down for two years. So so online learning has become significantly more present. For sure. But then there are also, uh, there are, I, I think there's also this, this evolving uh, growth, rather, of, uh, of, of people who are healed in some way. Yeah. They, they discover a methodology yeah. which helps them. And then they go, wow, I want to share this with everybody. For and sure. Then, and now, sadly, you can do a five-hour course online, get a certificate. Yeah. Pretty much anything. And we were talking about how you could, you can actually get plant medicine shaman oh. certificates online now. <laughs> I mean, oh, is, it, that, is that plant medicine? I thought it was just, just well, labelling it shamanism. Okay, yeah. It's, Either I, way, I mean. I, I, I think it's shamanism, but it, but classed as a, fa- as a foundation stone for then pitching yourself in as a plant mm. medicine shaman. Mm. Now, and as we know, mm. you don't want to be doing anything like that with anybody who hasn't sat in the jungle for mm. years and worked with the tribes doing this sort of mm. stuff. So, and the same goes for what you do, and the same goes mm. for what Jules does. You know, we have uh, we have uh, a lot of a lot of young yogi teachers now, don't we? Who have done fifty hours, yeah, in whatever school could yeah. be any school. Let's face it, and then they're and then they're all pitching themselves out as yeah. yoga teachers. And, I, and I'm not necessarily I'm not I'm not disrespecting the aspirations to want to heal people because yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing for sure. But I think we are we we've now set ourselves mm. up for failure because <laughs> just because just like everything else is a hack. There's a hack yeah. for this, and there's and hacks for it all now. There's a know, hack for everything. Yeah, this, I I, even, I saw a, sorry to interrupt you. I saw a video on YouTube the other day which was how to hack your karma. Come on, hack. <laughs> Hack cleansing your karma. Hack. Okay. So there's now a five-minute video you can watch that tells you how to get out of some, the samsaric cycle of life, birth, and uh, life, death, and rebirth. Mm. Just like that. Anyway, what were we going to say? Yeah, it's become very easy for people to trick people with the use of social media, especially in Bali. You know, it's very, you guys would know, there's lots of coaches here. There's lots of lots Everyone's of Everyone's a life coach. Yes, there's some good coaches, but there is also some business coaches that don't even own a business. There is also some relationship coaches who've never held a long-term relationship. There is some fitness coaches who aren't fit. There are some breathwork coaches who don't even know how to breathe properly. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's. Um, I'm a big believer in. I always say it is like practice what you preach, mm-hmm. and um, 
one thing from my gym. I get a lot of people sending resumes. It's like, oh, can I get a job? Everyone wants to live in Bali. So we get a lot of resumes from people. It's like, I've never even looked at one. I don't, I don't look at a resume. I don't pay attention to a resume because for me, the best trainer from my, from my personal experience is um, we were recently going to open uh, another BTC in Changu and it was very hard for me. I was like, who can I find someone to replicate me? Who can be someone that's seen on the same level as, Jake. as me? You know, it was, it was very difficult. And it was one of the reasons why we took so, why, why we weren't going to do it. Not the reason why we didn't do it in the end. And um, when I found, when I finally found, because you've got to be fit. You can't just go and teach down there if you're not fit, you know. And and I've said it to a lot of people is I would, um, yeah, so it was, it was very hard. And we, the person who I ended up finding was, was my best friend. He flew over here. He's, he's I'd say he's on par as fit, fit with me. He's, we, we pretty much draw in everything. We've competed everything in our lives. We run the same. We burpee the same. He actually, he actually beat me on burpees recently, but I gave it. Oh, that must have been a sore point. <laughs> he does have the gym burpee record. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you do burpees <laughs> and you're a monster. When you reach those levels, to reach those levels of fitness that I'm talking about of my friend and myself, you have learned a lot. Mm. What I've learned about the body and my own development is how I teach people. You know, you could never learn that from a book or from a six-week PT course mm. or from any course. It's taken me, I've been doing this for what's with me, almost, yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, almost 20 years and all these things I've learned and I experiment with my own body. You know, I'll go through stages where I'll train just strength for three months. I'll train cardio for three months. I'll do running for three months. I've done Muay Thai for certain amounts of time and boxing for certain amounts of times and trying all different types of things, trying different diets yourself. And it's like... I can't tell someone what's the right diet if I've never tried it Let's myself. Done it, right? I can't tell someone veganism isn't the right way if I haven't tried it. I can't tell someone these things if I haven't tried it. And I can't teach someone how to be really, really, really fit and strong if I'm not. Like, mm. I don't believe you can. Amen to that. You know, yeah, it's, and and if you're and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they would. They, people don't trust you too. It's um, they say one thing is with a with a PT with a as a trainer. We're lucky in Bali because it's very sweaty. You don't have to wear a shirt. But if you're a trainer, your uniform's your body. You know, people are going to look at your body. If you've got a good body, they're going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. No one's going to listen to an overweight, fat PT. It's like, you do you do 30 burpees. Don't you tell me to do 30 burpees in that fast. Can you do it? <laughs> I'll race you. You know, and I'm a big thing is I'll never dish out a workout to someone that I can't do better myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because in case they turn around, they say to me, like, well, that's impossible. I'm like, all right, watch. I'll do it. And that's how, and that's how I try to inspire people. And I always try to inspire people from, you know, my own trainings and how I live my life. And, you know, it's, there's no fakeness to it because I do love it. You know, it's like. Oh, I mean, there's one thing I'm clear after this conversation is how much you love exercise, which is brilliant. Yeah. What's, um, cause we're gonna have to wrap up in a, in a yeah. minute. What, so you, you mentioned, uh, Jimmy Changu, is that opening? I'm, no. I'm, what, what's happening with the with Bali Training Centre and what's the plan? With Bali Training Centre, at the moment, I'm opening a recovery centre in Bingen. So, yeah, over the... Um, another addiction of mine is saunas and ice baths. Aha. So, so biohacking. Yeah. I'm opening a recovery centre in Bingen. Nice. And are you in a yeah, position to tell us about that? I, yet, I, or? Yeah, yeah. It's all official. My wife and I, we started building it about six months ago. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it'll be ready in probably January. Cool. Yeah, so it's become a saunas and ice baths has become a huge part of my own training. I I love it. It's part of my ritual. 
I love it just as much as my exercise. And one of the greatest things with saunas is a lot of people don't realize like it's cardio exercise. Your heart rate gets up. So on the days when some days when I'm very busily worked out, if I have I'm work on the construction or I had to do Dempsey days or I haven't had the time or it's been raining and I can't go for a run or I just don't feel like being in the gym. Some of the times too, I'll spend so much time teaching in the gym, giving everyone my energy. I don't feel like doing a workout in my own gym. I'm like, oh, I just want to go somewhere else and a bit of peace and quiet. I'll go jump in the sauna. And I've done a lot of experiments too on my own body with heat shock therapy, mm. uh, which is where you do a big workout and then the second you're done, you jump in the sauna mm-hmm. to increase your heat shock proteins. Which then into a cold plunge? I'll go and sit and breathe for 20 minutes to get the to absorb more benefits of the heat. Mm-hmm. This is like intense levels of training. I, do, I don't do this all the time. I only do this when I'm trying to reach a certain goal of cardio endurance. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the thing is what I love about the saunas and ice baths is there's so many different avenues for it. Mm-hmm. There is the sports side of it. There is the relaxation side of it. There is the inflammation and injury healing side of it. There's so many different aspects of it. I think there's a meditative aspect to uh, cold plunges as well. 100%. And the sauna as well. Even the infrared, you know, when it's new to you. Cold plunge is a huge one, especially Mm. if it's cold. I think Wim Hof is saying, is like, you're never more present when you're in the freezing cold ice. Mm. I've just started it. Yeah, Jules has just started, because Jules teaches at the Asamaya. Oh, awesome. Mm. And they've got a... Yeah, ice bath's cold. Their ice bath. And it's the first time I've done ice bath. <laughs> <laughs> Their ice bath is cold. Because but, but, this uh, Jules wouldn't even be in a cold shower. Really? But so, then I had to start with them, like yeah. with Kundalini, I have a cold shower now every morning. But obviously yeah. it's barley. A cold shower in barley is not yeah, a cold not, shower. It's, yeah. it's, not, it's not cold then, Yeah, and then I've started using the infrared sauna... And mm. then I have the cold plunge, but it always takes me, a, I can't, it always like the first time I go in, I get to my knees and then I get yeah. out and have a little freak out and then mm. I go back in again and get down. But I, I don't stay in there long yet. I'm still yeah. very. But, you, but the point is you, you keep turning up. Yeah. Sure. That's the body adapts. It. It, take, it takes time. And when mm. I first ice bathing, yeah, I wasn't very good at it, but I've been doing it for many, many, many years and it gets mm. very addictive. So be careful. Okay. Mm. But the physiological benefits are oh, incredible, aren't they? Can't even get started. <laughs> well, I, so that, that makes me think that when you uh, open up, if you'll have us, we'll mm. come over and bring the podcast to to the to the recovery center, and maybe yeah. we, maybe we can talk to you about that particularly. That'd be awesome on site. As That'd long be as awesome. you don't film me getting in the ice you, bath, you, you, <laughs> <laughs> we'll all get in the ice bath. I think so we'll, we'll do the podcast in. The let's ice see bath. how long we can <laughs> do. <laughs> we do an hour and a half <laughs> and see how relaxed the conversations are. <laughs> hour we'll and just a half. talk about cold stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how long do you spend in it? It's completely different. It changes every Depends time. That's what you do. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like to do. It's, there is no answer. Mm. There is no right or wrong answer. You can go through all different scientific books of how long should you spend it. It comes down to what is the temperature of the ice bath. Some yeah. ice baths are three, four, five, six, up to 12 degrees, up to 14 degrees. Depends what you're in there for. Depends completely. I've done it once where I did too long, where I didn't feel too good, but I wouldn't do it again. And a lot of it too. When I first started ice bathing, you know, I'd do it with my mates and we'd be challenge come on i'll, I'll out ice bath you until i'm like <laughs> it's two hours later and i'm still shivering I'm hypothermic this, yeah yeah i hypothermic myself one time did you but that was a couple good. of hours i did 20 minutes right Ooh. yeah well, well I, it was I, stupid it was stupid it was dumb and it was my ego i was like i'm gotten a bit more older now 
had a baby, detached from the ego. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. separate What's from that sensible. ego. Well, I was wondering, I wasn't sure uh, how long was safe because I saw Russell Brand mm. doing a challenge actually on mm. uh, on his social. Yeah, I saw that as well. But that was 20 minutes, that's I think. Long, man. Long, long, that was long a cold time. one too. Well, that's, my, that's actually my buddy, cold. my buddy Dan uh, Bosomworth started mm. that company. It's... Um, uh, what they call Brass Monkey. Mm. Shout out to, to Dan and the guys at Brass Monkey in, in mm. the UK. They, they hand make those baths. Mm. And um, Russell Brand's got one. Mm. And he's doing, Dan and his buddies uh, and his business are, are doing a phenomenal job already of spreading the world. Mm. In the UK as well. You wow. think about, you're talking about cold plunging in the UK. I mean, yeah. Getting into a cold plunge bath here oh. in, the, in the morning I where it's already know. 30 degrees. I, yeah, I don't. I've never done one in a cold climate I've, like, I've done them here and in, in australia in the summer that's mm-hmm. the only time I've ever, I've ever done it from going from the cold to the cold if i was in somewhere different. cold climate i'm gonna do it on my next trip to europe or whenever i go to winter i'm so excited because i have this love for cold water now to go swim in the lakes you know wild swimming yeah but it's such a big thing in england right now people swimming um swimming cold. in the sea yeah sea it's swimming. super cool i mean like i think wim hof's the one who made it public he's brought yeah. this breath and this whole love for the ice and it's become viral it's become yeah it is and you know and that can come back to the powers of social media if it wasn't the internet and social media we all would have these access to these tools and absolutely that's one of the ones is we don't know like there is all these scientific evidence and all this proof that saunering every day and ice bathing is going to does make you live longer mm-hmm. this was the scandinavians have always done, haven't they yeah. they have their saunas and then the snow for sure yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to have it on our doorsteps and be able to do it every day when I wake up. And, oh, I'm and, excited and, to come and see it. And also learn, like, there's so many more things to bring into it. You know, I'm going to try to bring in new more things with my own training. And I've already experimented with training and then jumping into sauna. And then there's the crazy things you can do where you do train in a sauna and that type of thing. And I love the fact that you're constantly doing these experiments, which you then... And then you're considering how you can bring that back into into your cli- in for your clients. That's nice. Yeah, I find it's um when you find that space. And even one of the things why I'm so excited to open this annual recovery place. It's going to be called Santai, by the way. Santai. Santai. Santai means relax in Indonesian language. So um, for me, I'm sure you guys would have felt it too. Is when you're in the freezing cold, when you're in the ice bath, you're very, very, very present. And I do find the similarities, you know, because for me, not knowing how to meditate many years ago, not loving exercise, not knowing that it was helping me, when you do, you guys would understand the feeling, when you do feel that feeling in that space, it's one space you always are when you're in the ice bath. Mm. You know, I've had some of the most beautiful experiences just sitting in an ice bath, some of the most beautiful experiences. And doing breath work and meditating in an ice bath, I've reached some very, very high levels that I haven't been able to tap to. Altered you know, states of consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. No, I can well believe it. Um, okay. Well, do you want to shout out uh, your social media and website and anything like that just before we uh, before we let you go? Just so people can follow yeah, you. Yeah, just shout out um, my the gym's Instagram is just Bali Training Center. Bali Training Center. As easy as that. That's all there is. So if anybody wants to check out... I don't what, need my uh, personal one. I don't really use it. No, I, 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 I think... <laughs> I get, use it sometimes. I'll use it again one day. They'll get enough inspiration from following Bali Tra- Training Center, I've no doubt. Well, I, I, thanks very much, Jake. I've really thanks. enjoyed... Yeah, uh, thank you. really enjoyed this chat. conversation. We, we could sit here and talk for hours. Yeah, well, we... <laughs> <laughs> we always got to start. We went really we quick. We did. We actually talked for nearly two hours. Wow. Super quick. 
Yeah, and we've had mm-hmm. dogs bouncing off the sofa and old helicopters flying over. Oh yeah, it's so. witching hour. The dogs are ready for a run. They yeah. need their exercise, they and they just start. Walk. They start spinning around the garden. Uh, maybe we should just give them a cold plunge in the swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks, thanks again for, uh, thanks for coming to see us, brother. And we'll uh, oh, we'll come and see you, you soon. You. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you. Peace out.